Views expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is talk radio to thrive by. I'm Karen Hager, and I'm sitting in for Dr. Pat as the host of today's show. It's nice to meet you. Have you ever felt like maybe you were a hostage to your feelings, that your limiting patterns of thought and behavior were holding you back? Well, my guest on tonight's show is Dr. Richard Moss. He's here to share some tools for transforming those limiting patterns and to help you learn to stay in the present, even in the midst of difficult feelings, difficult times. And I will introduce you to Dr. Moss in just a moment. But first, you know, since you and I might be meeting just for the first time here, I thought it would only be polite that I show up with a gift. And my dear friend, Jody Chapman, she writes the blog Soul Speak, which is just awesome. And her husband, Dan Tech, have created a four-week e-course on soulful journaling, and they are giving it away for free. Free is good, right? This is a big deal, and it's not just because soulful journaling is, is such a powerful tool for connecting with your inner wisdom, for getting clear, for taking time for yourself. It's also a good deal because Jody and Dan create beautiful, transformative Courses. So if you'd like to get that four-week Soulful Journaling e-course for free, here's what you do. You ready? Head over to, fo- to facebook.com slash fogcitypsychic. That's my page. And right at the top, you'll see a secret link to click. That is your ticket to download not just Jody and Dan's e-course, but there are some other goodies there for you besides. So that's okay. That's an okay housewarming gift or radio show warming gift, right? Head over to facebook.com slash fog city psychic. Click that secret link to get the four week e-course absolutely free. Now they're only offering this through the 29th of May. So if you're interested, jump on this. Okay. And while you're on my Facebook page, don't hesitate to like me. Please, would you please like me? I'll give you guys a kitten if you like me. Actually, I don't have a kitten, um, so that, that part's not true. But I would be very grateful if you would like me on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash fogcitypsychic. And now, Dr. Richard Moss is the maestro of deep work. That's a program that guides people to delve deeply into their inner core so they can achieve a life of radical aliveness, unconditional love, and real inner peace. 
Richard is an internationally respected leader and a visionary thinker in the field of personal transformation, self-healing, group energy dynamics, and the art of living conscious relationships as an evolutionary spiritual path. His work bridges science, depth psychology, dream interpretation, energy medicine, body awareness, and mindfulness practices. He's the author of seven books on the transformational process and the art of conscious living. The two most recent are the international bestsellers, Inside Out Healing and The Mandala of Being. You can find out more about Richard and his work at richardmoss.com. Richard, welcome to Out of the Fog. Oh, hi, Karen. Thank you very much. I feel very welcome. Oh, I'm glad. Would you like a kitten? No, that was, I don't, I don't really have a kitten. Um, no, I travel I, too much to have any pets, unfortunately, I, but I love them. I love them. <laughs> well, so much of our, I think, ego is caught up now. Social media really can pull us into a place of ego. Do they like me? How many people do I have? And And I think sometimes we get really involved in looking at that as a measure of how we're how are we doing how important are we how special are we all of that and you know what we look like and how much we weigh and what car we have and what house we have and and how much money we make and how big our savings is and how many houses we own and Mm. on and on and on or how many languages you speak i know a man who speaks seven languages you know and he's always reminding people that he does that um (laughs) Uh, so many people derive their identity from, from almost anything and everything except deep connection to themselves. So here we are to talk about that. Oh, absolutely. Now, the the subtitle of your book, Inside Out Healing, this is a great book, by the way. You can, uh, you guys listening, go to richardmoss.com. You can also find the book. It's a Hay House book. So go to hayhouse.com, take a look for the book. Inside Out Healing, the subtitle is Transforming Your Life Through the Power of Presence. And I'm wondering, how has being present transformed your life? How are you changing as a result of this journey that you're on? You're asking me or you're asking everybody that's listening? Uh, um, well, you're the only one who will all be able to hear the answer. So if yes, they answer it, it, me, I won't hear anything. Exactly. And if you answer me, I'll be able to hear it. I, exactly. Um, you know, I've had the, the opportunity the last 35 years to to, to try to integrate a, uh, what some people would call an experience of cosmic consciousness or kundalini awakening or enlightenment. And the heart of it, the heart of it is that, that if there is no thought running through my head, then there is only the present moment with its sensation, perception, feeling, and the upwelling current of, of deep aliveness. So I have literally been practicing um, for the last 36 years, coming back to the present moment, starting right now, not believing my mind when there is a strong sensation of anxiety and it says, you have to try harder or you're not loved or there's more important things for you to be doing or you should change your life or you should move here. Or I stopped listening to that voice gradually. It took practice. And as a result, where I am at this point in my life, I don't think any person should give testimony to themselves. I think probably as people listen, they'll hear it in my voice. Um, my life has become so simple and and therefore so full almost every moment, all the time. And all I truly care about now is 
is the depth of intimacy I have with each moment with my companion and uh, with the people I work with and anyone that I meet uh, and with the wind on my skin and the sunlight and the evening light right now here in Colorado. So, eh, you know, I've been walking my own path for a long time now and um, that's and I've I've probably worked with over thirty nationalities and wow. uh, traveled the world and I've spent thousands of days in retreat with people. Um, I've lived maybe several years of my life sleeping out under the stars, just being informed by watching the Milky Way turn in the sky. Um, my life it hasn't always been easy, for sure, and and. Um, even right now, I have a disc that's bulging and pain in my low back, and it's hard to walk and because of hauling heavy bags in the Paris metro a month ago. <laughs> but, but um, you know, the, the process of learning to live in the present moment, and I've had the, the blessing of teaching people this all over the world and watch their lives change. And, and you can't teach something to someone if you don't live it. That's right. Otherwise, it's just words. Hmm. That's the most powerful way of teaching, isn't it? Is through witness, not just you bearing witness to the people who are learning, but you as a witness to the change as it's as it's happening in you. It's very powerful. Well, yeah. Well, where does deep wisdom come from? It doesn't come from our thinking. It comes from when our thinking stops, and we stop we stop frightening ourselves with our thoughts, or inflating ourselves with our thoughts, or diminishing ourselves with our thoughts. And we stop running toward a future that we think will save us, or running from a past that, or trying to re, re, reclaim a past that we think will, will say, you know, save us, and running from a past that was traumatic or scary. And, and we start landing in our bodies, landing in this breath, landing in this moment, landing in these perceptions, these sensations, really alive in our bodies, just, just vibrant. Um, that that suddenly we begin to know what all the great teachers throughout time have known. And it's not that we're knowing, we're following them, we're, we're just, we're in the same state or in the same space or in the same level of consciousness. And then it's up to us how we want to live it, how we want to embody it, how we want to give it out. But the thing that we will do by learning to be more present is not only transform ourselves, and transformation isn't just simply accumulating information. It's, it's truly a fundamental shift in where you live in yourself. And from that shift and from the energy that emanates from us when we've made that shift, and it's not one shift, it's hundreds. It's continuous. It's, it's, there is enlightenment as, an, as a kind of experience, and then there's constant embodiment of who we are. And, and it's, it's not for our sakes alone. It's for everyone who we touch. It's for, it's for our mothers and fathers. It's for our children and grandchildren. It's for our neighbors. It's for our community. It's for our friends. It's for our planet. And it's for everything living on this planet um, because how we choose to live really is affecting everything. Mm. And with it being so powerful, why are we so frightened because the, the next thing is well how can i be without thought how can i be in the present moment i have all these things to worry about and i have all these responsibilities why are we so frightened of that moment when maybe thought stops and we settle into our body 
Well, let's, let's first of all say thought is a mode of consciousness that has made us very successful survivors, and it's exceptionally important. And I would never tell a person to be without thought. I would just tell the person, don't believe a thought that poisons your body. In other words, don't believe a thought that puffs you up or shrinks you. Don't mm -hmm. believe, if, if a voice said to you, you need to be more loving, and you listened in your body, and those words, I need to be more loving, made you tense, I'd throw out the thought, I need to be more loving. Your body uh -huh. knows better than your head. Always. Always. Now, thought to build a bridge, thought to develop a laser, thought to develop antibiotics, thought to develop better surgical procedures, thought to create hygiene and help clean water. That's all, you know, I mean, there's no limit to how important thought is. We're talking about the thoughts that have gone through our heads since our ego started to form two years old, three years old, four years old. They took shape by six years old, and we started identifying ourselves with what was aroused in us when we said, my mother doesn't love me, or my brother does gets all the attention, you know, and, and we made ourselves miserable. So we, we've got brains, and no one gave us a manual to use it. And so we live our lives the victims of the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves. And in my work, in my book, I have a very simple model called the mandala of being which basically says when you're not in your body fully aware in this present moment um, your mind can only take you away your thinking mind can only take you away in four directions and once a person understands that there's only four ways you can leave the present moment then you can start to become very observant of where you've been taken those four ways, places are judgments of yourself so you tell yourself a story about who you are, that you're smarter than so-and-so, or you're more loyal, or you're not as smart, or you're not as attractive, and on and on. Or the judgments you make about other people, or about God, or about money, or about someone else's political uh, beliefs, or about um, the Republicans make judgments of the Democrats, the Democrats, the Republicans, one religion over another religion, one nationality against another nationality. It is endless. Those kinds of thoughts are the ones that we are talking about now that are so destructive. The other two directions, of course, is time, you know, either past or future. We do not have the capacity to remember the past. Everybody believes they do, um, but the kind of memory that allows you to remember math, let's say, or the capitals of, uh, of the states, uh, or memorize a poem and keep it in your head for the rest of your life, that's not the memory we're talking about. The memory of what your father did with your mother or what your husband said to you yesterday or last month or the, tr the emotional memory, um, that part of the memory is absolutely linked to the same part of us that imagines. And all the research shows us that we continue to reimagine the past over and over again. So if you're happy one day, you reimagine the past in a positive way. And if you're depressed on a certain day, you reimagine the past in a negative way that rationalizes and defends your depressiveness. Um, the fact is you can't really remember the past. And the interesting thing is that when the research is done, people believe that the past that they're describing today is more accurate than the past that they described a year ago when they actually were writing down what happened on that day. Huh. And that's astonishing. Isn't it interesting? It is. So we believe our own 
retelling. We believe we craft it through that lens of how we're feeling, and then we believe it. Very clearly stated, exactly. And mm-hmm. when you believe it, what does it do to you? The moment every single thought arouses a sensation in the body, and most of the sensations it arouses are what we call emotions, or let's say it's what I call emotions. You can't have a thought. I mean, you can't have an experience of, let's say, bitterness or resentment or anger without a thought, without a, a bunch of thoughts. You can't be jealous without a bunch of thoughts. You can't look at the future and scare yourself silly with anxiety and worry without thinking. The future is just imagined, and, and you can't look at the future and anticipate a wonderful reunion with your lover without feeling eager. You can't think about winning the lottery or getting the job or finding the, or, or, or you know, living with the man that you love or the woman that you love without hope. But that, these are all sensations generated by thought. They have very little to do with who you are in the present moment right now, and they stop the deep current of presence and the connection to deep wisdom because it's really just an imagined reality. And it's a mind-made reality. And very few people understand this. We've not been given a guidebook for working with our thinking mind. Um, and you know you can have very, very bright people that graduate from the Sorbonne or MIT or Harvard or whatever you want to think of the, as higher, the higher or highest institutions. And, and I've been around a lot of those people and they are completely often emotionally incapable of differentiating their opinion and what it does to them from who they are without that opinion. Wow. And that, over time, that builds up. I'm just thinking of, you know, my life growing up, I am a certain kind of person. I like these things. I always do this. When I do this, this happens. And these build up and build up and build up. How can how can we kind of step away from that accumulation and begin to experience the the present. The present can be very elusive when you don't know how to look for it. Well, well, the present or the now, or as Eckhart Tolle wrote a wonderful book, The Power of Now, the now is a concept. It's an abstraction. If you're a surfer on a surfboard riding a four-meter or five-meter wave that's curling over the top of you, your now is a body that's totally awake and totally relaxed. Okay, now, if you're a skier, you're that same body, totally awake, totally relaxed. If the poetry is flowing out of you, just sitting um, sitting in your bed in the morning, letting poetry come through, um, then your mind is exceptionally focused and at the same time, very expansive, very spacious. So what, we, what I mean when I use the word now is a state in which the mind is precisely and vividly aware of every sensation, every perception, and at the same time, it isn't what we've been taught in school where you narrow your attention and you become absorbed in just chemistry or just physics or just math or just languages. Um, what happens when people narrow, and I know this as a doctor from my medical training, is that you, you learn something and then you specialize, but you lose the ability to touch the states of consciousness where everything starts to make sense because it belongs to everything else. We lose the holistic point of view. So the answer to your question is, 
you have to practice being focused and spacious, ready and relaxed. You have to teach this to yourself and your body the same way that someone who has practiced the violin for 10,000 hours, like Itzhak Perlman or, or any of the great, the great artists, the great maestros of, of a particular methodology, it takes tens of thousands of hours of practice, at least 10,000 hours to be exceptional. And then they go beyond that. And by the way, almost no one that I've ever talked to or heard of likes practicing. The musicians <laughs> don't like practicing. The athletes don't like practicing. The dancers don't like practicing. Nobody really likes practicing. Everybody finds their own way to do it. The, if you're a Buddhist, you find your own way to do Buddhist practicing and so on and so forth. But to practice bringing yourself back right now from a thought that's poisoning you because it's a judgment of yourself or poisoning you because it's a judgment of someone else or poisoning you because it's, it's a way of thinking about what happened to you when, tw when you were 12 years old that, that puts you into the psychology of being 12 years old except your body is 54 years old. You know, it, that practice, you have to want to do it. And that is extraordinary. So why do people want to do it? And the answer to that for me was I was suffering. Yes. I was confused. I, I, I had feelings I didn't understand. I made bad choices. I was anxious a lot. I was competitive. I was, you know, I, I was unhappy. And the other answer is you meet somebody or you hear somebody who clearly has learned something and lives something, and inside yourself you say, Ah, and, and there's tears of recognition when we hear of bravery, courage, honor, integrity. There's tears of recognition when we hear stories of people who sacrifice themselves for others, or, and I don't mean simply self-efface themselves as because they're chronic pleasers mm -hmm. and, you know, disappear for others. I'm talking, you know, somebody that really, really risks their life for the betterment of others. We cry. We cry because we know that's, that's the deeper truth. And so, you know, if you listen to your body and you watch what you really know, you know exactly what your soul's GPS wants to take you toward. Now the question is, are you going to take yourself there? Hmm. And do you want to? And do you, you want to join this profound movement of human beings who are going to be contributing to the evolution of consciousness? And if you do, books like mine and works like yours and this radio show, they're going to help you. And then everybody has to do the work themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that Perlman, nobody else could practice the violin for him. There's a wonderful, there's a wonderful story about a couple, and it's an anecdotal story, about a couple that's visiting New York for the first time, and they ask this old gentleman on the street, can you tell me how to find Carnegie Hall? And he looks at them and says, oh, yes, practice, practice, <laughs> practice. How do you get to, it's not fine, Carnegie Hall, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? And, and of course, they're asking one of the great musicians. Mm -hmm. you know? And so, so you, can't, you can't evolve spiritually or psychologically or emotionally unless you decide you want to and you practice. And you can't become a real lover, a deep lover, not just a, you know, a, a technician, without practice and you, you you can't grow emotionally without practice and psychologically without practice and I've been practicing 
and it set me free. And I'm not completely free. I, I don't know that anyone ever in this universe has ever been completely free. How could any of us be completely free when others are not? But, mm-hmm. but there is such an, a, a wondrous opportunity for every person, and it doesn't matter where you start. You just have to start. What is the first step? How, how do we start? I walked into my dean, the dean of the medical school's office, because Dustin Hoffman had gotten out of a taxi cab next to me, and I was walk- And he had just done Midnight Cowboy and mm-hmm. and and a couple of other movies, and he was really famous at the time, and he'd won an Academy Award and blah blah blah. And and, and I looked at him and I thought to myself, now there's somebody that if he wants to say something about. Uh, injustice, people will listen. If he wants to say something about a better distribution of wealth, people will listen. I walked into the dean's office and I said, you're filling my head with information and facts and memorization. I'm losing my soul. I'm going to quit. And the dean said to me, maybe you'd want to see one of our therapists before you quit. And I said, you know, I mean, I'm, in a way, I didn't know what the hell to do with my life at that particular time. I was in my early 20s. Um, so I said, okay. And that was a start for me. Huh. And I, I've kept a dream journal since I was 19. That was a start for me. And I, when I was, discovered rock climbing and surfing and entered into the state of flow and felt like, wow, this, this is really, really, this is what life's about. That was a start for me. And when a man once was, extro- and when later in my life, when I was already a teacher, and one particular guru in India just was extraordinarily generous for me, to me. And that was another start for me. And women who have told me I'm self-involved, that was a start for me. And uh, another woman who told me, you don't listen to me, you talk over me, that was a start for me. We start when we start paying attention to what we're doing that's poisoning us on the inside or cutting us off from intimacy. Mm. And so if we're waiting for instruction on how to start, stand here, wear these clothes, close your eyes, breathe this way, maybe what we're missing is the opportunity to just start. There is a certain grace, don't you think? I mean, I think of it, what we're talking about here, what I write in my books, will give people a very clear way of transforming their lives by learning to come back into the present moment. But if we could only do it with our heads, then there wouldn't be global warming now. There wouldn't be racism. There wouldn't be wars between nations. There wouldn't be poverty. There, you know, there wouldn't be the, 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 the cruelty with which certain people think they're entitled to their wealth and their way of life, and other people are inferior and unimportant. All of that is is bad thinking, misuse of misuse of, of, of the mind. Um, so if we'd, if we'd really figured it out, we'd been a, be in much better shape than we're in, and we are in better shape than we were in. We're growing, and we'll never stop growing. Absolutely. This is, this is wonderful stuff. You're listening to the Dr. Pat Show. I'm Karen Hager sitting in for Dr. Pat. My guest is Dr. Richard Moss. He is the author of Inside Out Healing, Transforming Your Life Through the Power of Presence. We'll be right back after this short break. Having trouble keeping up with the accelerated, life-altering changes occurring on the planet? The Quantum Vortex is the brainchild of Meg Benedicte, a pioneer in quantum healing and energetic activations. 
weaving together ancient spiritual knowledge, quantum physics, and vibrational healing. Meg Benedicte is accelerating change at the cellular level. For more details on private sessions, meditation CDs, downloads, and teleseminars, visit NewEarthCentral.com. Are you a health-conscious, spiritual woman who is just tired of struggling with food obsession, emotional eating, and constantly having to struggle with weight and food? You aren't alone. The secret is within us, often in releasing internal resistance and blocks to our own success. To learn how to end the war with food and your body now and find peace, go to eatlikeagoddess.com for your free audio. Break free from food obsession and lose weight without trying. That is eatlikeagoddess.com. Tune in to The Truth is Funny with Colette Steffen each Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. This hit show will have you thinking outside the box and riding the wave of infinite potential. Join Colette on the Higher Self Network, inspiring listeners to shine their brilliance and ensure success while roaring with laughter as they recognize the humor of the giant cosmic joke. Visit TheTruthIsFunny.com. Are you looking for positive answers to tough questions in your personal and professional life? On Purpose Radio with Karen Florence is a riveting show that will help you reveal your own truth and begin to live the life you've always wanted. Karen's dynamic approach to coaching people in all areas of their lives has made her one of the most sought-after coaches today. Tune in each Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific and 10 a.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com and visit OnPurposeRadio.com. Want to know what the best-kept secret in Access Consciousness is? It's the Access Gold Club. Demanding more change and the latest and greatest, but can't always get to all the classes you desire? Let Gary and Dane come to you. Join the Gold Club, and each month you'll receive a 60-minute live call, a weekly email on the month's theme containing the latest clearings in written form, and an MP3 loop. Twice a month, receive a brand new video with Gary and Dane. How does it get any better than this? In addition to receiving a CD format of the monthly call mailed to you, you'll also enjoy a surprise bonus gift. Be in on the secret. Join today at www.isnowthetime.com slash special dash tips. Successful people accomplish what they set out to do. They make a promise and work hard to keep their word to themselves and to others. Keeping one's word is the simple idea behind a breathtakingly new way to achieve more. Keeping your word is a practice developed by Vladimir Gerasichev, a life coach and business trainer with over 20 years experience. Visit KeepYourWord.com to learn more about the transformative technique and check out the free Keep Your Word app, Keeping Your Word, Changing Your Life Forever. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. I'm Karen Hager sitting in for Dr. Pat today, and you're listening to Talk Radio to Thrive By. Hey, I got you a gift. <laughs> no, really, it's just I want to do something nice for you. If you're interested in a free four-week e-course about soulful journaling, head over to my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Fog City Psychic, and you'll get the secret link there where you can download a four-week e-course on soulful journaling from Jody Chapman and Dan Tech. This is, I just got this myself. It is 
awesome. And I would love to be able to give that to you too. Now, my guest on today's show is Dr. Richard Moss. He is a teacher, a Hay House author. One of his newest books is Inside Out, Healing, Transforming Your Life Through the Power of Presence. And Richard, welcome back. Thank you, Karen. Let me ask you a question. Do you mean San sure. Francisco with Fog City? Or do you oh. mean helping people get out of the fog they create with the <laughs> Um, that's and my my radio show my uh, my other gig is as the host of a radio show called Out of the Fog. I lived in San Francisco for more than twenty two years, and it was while I was there that I went through. You were talking about all the things that were starts for you. It was while I was in San Francisco that I had some of my biggest starts. Um, I learned while I was there. I finally said yes to embracing some of my my soul path my vocation that I had been ignoring, swallowing, beating it off with a stick, right? I tried everything. And while I was in San Francisco, go ahead. No, I just think San Francisco has that kind of energy. Um, um, And Esalen just south of San Francisco. And that part of the world was really catalytic, um, maybe still is. Um, Mm -hmm. But certainly through the 60s, 70s, 80s, it was very powerful. Anyway, back real, to wherever you want to go. Wherever we want to go. There's a real openness in San Francisco, and, and I think one of the things that I liked about it so much, Richard, I'm, I'm in southeastern Michigan now, so I've been uh, away from the Bay Area for about four years. There's something about San Francisco that is, it's the place where the people who aren't like other people go. And so when you're there, when you end up there, when you sort of wash up on the on the shores there in San Francisco, you know you're in a place where the rules are a little bit different and, and people are a little bit different. It's a great place to go to do some different thinking, to get a different perspective. Yeah. When I was uh, going to medical school in New York City, it came to my senior year and there were some situations that happened in New York, like being robbed on the street, having my car stolen, my apartment broken into twice. This is back in the late 60s, early 70s. I applied for electives and ended up in San Francisco and have been pretty much a Californian ever since, though right last July I moved to Colorado. Um, And I ended up in San Francisco, and it was perfect in terms of being in my mid-20s, doing my internship, starting my residency, um, and all the spiritual uh, stuff that was there, consciousness stuff that was there, that I found my way into, that was really important at that particular time in my growth. And I haven't been back there since, uh, I can't even remember now, 1980? Wow. And, I mean, I haven't lived there. I certainly mm-hmm. passed through from time to time. Any rate, salute anyway. to San Francisco. A, very, a good salute to San Francisco. The cool gray city of love is what Herb Cain called called San Francisco. Um, you have done some really, we talked a little bit, you were mentioning Leaving right before. San Francisco, the, renew, read, uh, as you leave San Francisco, there's a sign that says, leaving San, San Francisco, uh, re, renew normal behavior. <laughs> Now, even though I've left, I've chosen not to resume my normal behavior. I, I hope that's okay. Um, I like it this way. <laughs> yeah, we might as well laugh a little bit while we do what we're doing. You were sharing before the break how there was a moment when you came in and said, I'm quitting medical school. I'm not doing this anymore. Right? I'm not doing this anymore. I'm, I'm done. And you've done some very powerful work. One of the things that 
just really reached out and grabbed me in, in your book and in Inside Out Healing was the stories of you using that mandala of being to work with people who were not only experiencing physical pain, but emotional pain and where that was stopping them from, from moving forward. And I wondered if you could say a little bit about how experiencing, experiencing physical pain, maybe that's as illness, chronic illness, terminal illness, how that relates to coming in, coming into our awareness. The, you know, all of us are going to have to die. Mm-hmm. Um, though there are some people who really want to believe that someday we'll be able to transplant our memories into computers and then re-implant them into clones. And, but, you know, uh, none of that is a very, of, of any interest to me, really. I think it's just, it, it, you know, it's technology, it's fascinating, and it's also fear-based. But, but um, the difference between being sick and what you tell yourself about being sick. Um, I, this is not the first time my back's been bad. I remember putting my mandala down on the floor, the me, you, past and future positions around the, like at, at uh, 12 o'clock and 6 o'clock and 3 o'clock and 9 o'clock and standing in the center and watching the stories. My future stories, I won't be able to hike and climb and do the things I love to do outdoors. What did that create in me? It created misery. Uh, and my past story, I should have, I should have listened to my intuition better and taken care of myself better. What did that create? Guilt. And my, and my judgments of myself. You know, if I've gotten my, myself this damaged, maybe I can't really trust my own intuition about how to live my life, which created fear. And, and then I started blaming the doctor whose, whose treatment I thought was going to fix me instantly and wasn't fixing me as fast as I wanted it to, which created just anger and superiority and resentment. And, and then I stepped back into the center and I said, okay, and if I never can do those things again, is that going to close my heart to love? No. Is that going to stop me from being able to enjoy sensations, perceptions, people, sounds, music? No. And in a split second, I was home again. I mean, I'd been home a lot before, but the illness made me made me think in ways that made me miserable. I've been around people. I, a woman called me one day and said she was at the very end of her life, and she said, please just help me. Uh, you know, in my country, it was Brussels. We, you know, when in, when in my condition, we can end our lives if we choose to. Um, but but I've been in terrible conflict. No, she was. You know, her intestines were blocked. She couldn't have food. She was wasting away, and she was in pain. And I just got quiet, and I said to her, "I don't believe in a God that will ever judge you for any choice you make. I know the life you've lived." And I don't believe in a God that would ever judge you for whatever choice you make. And in a split second, she knew what she was going to do. And the next day, the two doctors arrive, and with her family and loved ones around her, and in utter peace, she left the world. Mm-hmm. You know, you, there, there's, we're constantly making ourselves miserable, not because we get old, but because we tell us what we say to ourselves and believe about getting old. So this, this is a work we need to do it doesn't matter whether we're i mean when i say it doesn't matter sooner or later all of us are going to be very seriously ill sooner or later all of us are going to come to the end of our lives the question is how do you want to live right now what what is your spiritual gps set on what is it pointing to what what are you navigating toward i call that 
life, the life consecration. And most people are unconsciously navigating to escape fear or to have security, safety, the right companion. They're navigating for happiness. They're not, not navigating for consciousness. And why are they navigating for happiness? Because they're rejecting whatever they're feeling right now or they're rejecting the situation they're feeling right now. And so happiness is going to be the salvation. Mm. Happiness is what arises in a person who's no longer fighting against what life presents to them in this moment. Happiness is not something you can aim for because all you'd be doing is rejecting where you're at. You have to find a way to say yes to where you're at and then happiness comes by itself and comes naturally. Mm. And you know, people who want happiness are basically saying, I don't like where I am right now. And why should rejecting where you are right now not be as creative in your unconscious as what you imagine you want to reach? The answer is the rejecting is just as powerful as the energy you're putting into trying to get someplace. You have to start in the present moment. You have to start with finding a way to make a space big enough to say yes to where you are right now. And then there is an element of mystery or grace that joins your trust or your letting go or your surrendering. And gradually when you stop believing your thoughts and you stop fighting against your life, you can be in a sick bed radiating joy and people want to visit you, not just your family and friends, but the people in the hospital. It was a, that same woman that I helped her give permission to let herself go when she was in the hospital. The doctors liked hanging out with her. The nurses liked hanging out with her. Everybody did. She was literally a master of joy. And she had been working with cancer for 16 years, and it never beat her. It never, never made her heart believe her thinking. So wow. this is this is the path, and you don't do it just for yourself because as soon as your energy gets that clear, you become a transformative catalyst for everyone around you and every relationship that you live. So the question is, what is our GPS set on? Are we running toward what we want because we're rejecting where we are? Stop it then. Don't run for what you want. Learn to make a bigger space for where you are. Um, is, you know, forever human beings have wanted to be safe. So technology keeps trying to make us safe. So now the technology that makes us safe is poisoning the water, poisoning the air, poisoning the food. The technology that produces limitless food created monocultures that are succumbing now to devastating epidemics that are destroying the wheat crop all over the world. Butterflies, everything, they're dying because human beings have wanted to feel secure wanted to be safe, wanted to have more. And why? Because they didn't know how to say yes to where they were right now. Every time they felt uncomfortable or afraid, they said, oh, this is the wrong feeling. I want to feel better. You know, but that's not what the saints said. St. Francis kissed the leper. And what we have to understand is leprosy is almost gone from our world now. But in those days, flesh rotting away on a human being was terrifying. Now we know it was tuberculosis. They didn't know that then. They thought it was people were evil or they, you know, they, God was angry at them. They, they had all kinds of beliefs that were all wrong. But someone like San Francisco goes and says, am 
I going to listen to fear? Am I going to listen to the collective revulsion and rejection of these people who have leprosy? Or am I going to take this person in my arms and embrace this person as a brother in life or a sister in life? And that's what he did. Mm-hmm. And of course, the experience of anecdotally was that the moment that he did that, he realized that who he was holding was Christ, which is, of course, the truth. The minute mm-hmm. you say yes profoundly, especially when everything inside of you is afraid, like when we were terrified of what was happening in the early 80s as the AIDS epidemic started spreading. And I was working with people with, with AIDS before anybody knew what was causing it. And it, there was such a terror in the medical community, in the, the, the you know, society in general. And yet these were just human beings uh, in an illness, which is a virus, which ultimately is going to educate our bodies and make us stronger. Once we integrate the AIDS virus into our bodies, and we've learned to adapt to a a virus that can mutate so fast, the intelligence of our cellular being is going to be so profound, our bodies will have evolved. And that's how we have evolved as physical beings, by incorporating bacteria, by incorporating viruses into ourselves. It's not an immune system, it's a commune system. And it will keep trying to integrate anything into us until we find a way to do it without getting sick. And then the body is more intelligent. And it's the same thing with spirit. It's the same thing with fear. We've got to find a way to make a big space for fear, to be really creative with it. It's a whole couple of chapters in Inside Out Healing. How do you work with these really threatening feelings? Because if, if humankind continues to try to be secure, we are going to die. We're going to kill ourselves. Security is not why we're here. Why are we here? You decide. Mm. We're here to invent what we think is really meaningful. We're here to co-create what we think is really the purpose for life. So if you want my answer, for me, I want to know the absolute depth of intimacy with another human being, with my companion, Sensually, sexually, erotically, with light, sound, taste, smell, with the air on my skin, with this moment and every person. And that's what my life is consecrated to. Mm. I think I think intimacy is a global affair, as a friend of mine says. You know, without a greater capacity for intimacy between people, which will then become between families, which will then become between nations and religions, We're going to destroy ourselves, but we're still running away from fear. We still have not created a healthy relationship to threatening feelings, and there's no way to have a body and not feel threatening feelings, just like there's no way that if you live in the Oklahoma area, you will not see tornadoes because that is the area on planet Earth where there are more tornadoes than anywhere else, and hurricanes will happen and earthquakes will happen anywhere just about anywhere, Um, and dark moods will come and scary feelings will be there, but if we've created them with our own thinking, we can change that. If they've just come like weather comes, then we have to learn to be big. Wow. Is this part of what you're talking about when you talk about how we can live falling forward there's as i'm listening to you and kind of listening to you intuitively richard there's this wonderful sense of tumbling through time of being outside time 
And so when I see Liv falling forward, that stepping into the arms of the leper, it's seeing the tornado, it's our bodies becoming wiser. Is there a connection there? Well, there is in a way, but I have to, I have to remember to contact my publicist because it's a typo. It's falling fearwards. I'm not saying look for fear. No, I, I, I didn't mean falling <laughs> forwards. I mean, if life presents you with the sensation most people call fear, you are at one of those moments where transformation is calling, calling your number. It's saying, come on over here. This is where you are going. This is where the alchemy of transformation takes place. You know, it takes place the moment a person says, I want to love more. Well, what, is you, what, if, what did your mother and father not love? They didn't love fear. What did your grandparents not love? They didn't love fear. What did, what, did, what did our ancestors not love? They didn't love any of the dark, threatening, fearful feelings, and they are unavoidable. If you want the heavenly, you have to have the abysmal, the dark. There's no, it, you can't not. It's a continuum. It, you can't have the high without the low. You can't have left without right, up without down, warm without cold. I mean, you can't. So, so when I say fall, you know, move fearwards, fall fearwards, I don't mean look for fear. I don't mean be counterphobic. Try to ride an even bigger wave or, or, or ski down something that's beyond your ability to see if you can survive. That's just a frightened person trying to prove that they're not frightened. It's also a person with enormous skill getting their skill to be even greater. But the same person that can ski down an extraordinarily difficult mountain that's you know almost just a sheer free fall through the snow and ice may not be able to stay there when his woman or her husband says i'm unhappy with you mm. they may they may start to run away from the feeling of rejection or judgment well they wouldn't run away from a tidal wave or, or a 40-foot wave that they could ride on a surfboard you know so these deep feelings have to be met and they are where the alchemy of transformation takes place jesus goes 40 days and nights in the desert Buddha sits under the Bodhi tree. You know, they face everything. That's the story of the great souls. They face everything. And when a person says, I want to be intimate, you can't say, I want to be intimate just with the cute-looking girl down the block, or, or I want to be intimate with, with good weather and, you know, perfect bike riding conditions or perfect sailing conditions. You have to say, I want to be intimate with the storms, too. I want to be intimate with fear. I want to be intimate with illness. I want to be in intimate with grief. I want to be intimate with loneliness. I want to be intimate with all of it. Otherwise, you just can't be whole. And, and you know, we're on a crazy trajectory now, collectively, as a species, that if we don't start to... I mean, tomorrow, if we could wave a magic wand and there was one quarter... If, if everyone on the planet could face fear... With, with, you know, four times more able to face fear without becoming aggressive, without becoming depressed, without becoming superior, without withdrawing, without attacking, you know, fight or flight. If, you, if we had four times the capacity to deal with the dark feelings, there'd be four times more love, four times more trust, one quarter as much corruption, one quarter as much selfishness, one smaller militaries, you know, businesses wouldn't just take away the the um, pension plans of their employees to pay off creditors who own stock. I mean, those kinds of really ugly, 
treatments of human beings, one quarter of that would disappear. It's all driven by fear. So when fear is in front of you, it's your chance to find out how to embrace the leper. Richard, I can't believe it. We have come right to the end of our time, and I don't want to let go of you, but I'm going to have to. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for for coming on the program, for sharing your wisdom. Can you remind people how they can get in touch with you and find out more about you and your work? Okay, thank you. Thank you. Um, my website is my name, www.richardmoss.com. There's several free e-courses which teach literally how to work with the mandala I described, how to learn how to step away from the me, you, past and future stories, how to live more consistently in the now. I would love it just as you said to people, you come to my Facebook page, like my like me on Facebook, follow the things I'm putting up on Facebook. I have a YouTube channel and there are wonderful free teaching and inspirational short videos on it and some longer ones. Um on the YouTube channel, um, and and um, as I say, just come to the website, see the calendar. If you're interested in a retreat, come. Um, read Inside Out Healing or The Mandala of Being or any of my books, and let that fuel your own creative journey deeper into life. And just I leave it with just this, what's your spiritual GPS set for mm-hmm. now? Are you running from or embracing? Oh. Thank you so much. That was Dr. Richard Moss. His book is Inside Out Healing, Transforming Your Life Through the Power of Presence. And that's all the time we have for tonight. My regular gig is as host of Out of the Fog Radio every Tuesday on Empower Radio, every Wednesday on Transformation Talk Radio Network, and the mighty WBLQ in New England. You're welcome to join me anytime there, and I hope you will. Thank you for listening. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world, and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace. Listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Our hosts are setting a new standard for a fresh kind of talk radio, creating conversations that are transforming the world, one listener at a time. Transformation Talk Radio's mission is to broadcast a distinct blend of live talk radio interviews with a mix of uplifting and intelligent news, educational and practical information. Topics range from personal development to critical issues relevant to a rapidly changing world. Stay tuned. Transformation Talk Radio starts at the top of every hour. 
Transformation Talk Radio showcases a distinct blend of live talk radio interviews with a mix of uplifting and intelligent news, education, and practical information. Topics range from personal development to critical issues relevant to a rapidly changing world. Our hosts bring together some of the planet's most preeminent and visionary change makers, best-selling authors, motivational speakers, leading-edge scientists and futurists, environmentalists and educators, world-renowned spiritual leaders, inventors, filmmakers, artists, mystics, and healers that are stimulating and supporting individual and collective growth. Get ready to create positive cultural shifts on Transformation Talk Radio. Join us in making a meaningful difference in the world. TransformationTalkRadio.com. That's TransformationTalkRadio.com. You're tuned in to Transformation Talk Radio. Think the Dr. Pat shows the cat's meow? Just listen to what some of her transformative guests have had to say. What's your personal message? What would you like to leave us with? Uh, believe in yourself always. Remember that uh, you are a gift. You are a miracle. And the only way you can return any part of that gift is what you do with it. Live into yourself. And be that miracle. I love it. Eldon Taylor, everyone. And, and thank you, Pat. I love joining you. You're a wonderful host. Thank you. And we're going to bring Eldon back because we, we just haven't even scratched the surface here. Thank you all for tuning us in, turning us on. Thank you for listening. And keep us tuned in right here on Transformation, Transformation Talk, Talk Radio. Radio. Transformation Talk Radio, a higher consciousness perspective. The hosts on Transformation Talk Radio offer a positive and new paradigm shift, a new vision for a collective future. They are empowering and helping all of us experience a powerful wave of personal shifts and cultural change as we break through to even greater levels of awareness. Take down our toll-free number, 1-800-930-2819, Call in, connect, make sure you tap into some of the world's most empowering psychics, healers, and more. Get an on-air reading with the best. Tune in, TransformationTalkRadio.com. Hey, everybody, we'll see you there.